0: Well hey there everyone, I'm Daniel Hahn and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church and this is our podcast and I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now let's get into the message. In a moment I'm going to teach out of Ephesians today, Ephesians 6, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Beginning with verse number 10, Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word today? I'm so grateful that I have God's Word in English. William Tyndale was burned at the stake because he translated it into English. I'm so grateful for the Martin Luthers who put it in German. The first time it had not been in Latin for 1,300 years. I'm not against Latin. I'm just not good at it. But somebody came along and put it in English. or We wouldn't have it. Aren't you grateful we have it? Paul's writing to the church, and he says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil... For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the royal forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore And petition, pray, at all times in the spirit. And with this view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I'm ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible, amazing day. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live long enough to see the sun come up today. Thank you, Lord, for ordering our steps and our stops by going before us, preparing the way so that we might be successful on our journey. And Lord, I pray that you will deposit godly wisdom And truth and principles today to help us to live the kind of life that you have desired for us to live. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen Amen and Amen. You may be seated. Um, In a moment, I'm going to teach on winning the satanic war. And I do um, a lot of writing. Uh, on my long trips. And I'm going to be teaching from the book I hold in my hand, Living Life from a Heavenly Edge. Living Life from a Heavenly Edge. And I'm going to be teaching from chapter 16 from the verses that we've just read. But in this particular book, I addressed every verse in the book of Ephesians. This is a book on the entire book of Ephesians entitled Living Life from a heavenly edge and I recommend that you consider getting a copy of it and um, I know that it will enrich your life and expand you as a believer and all the proceeds uh, from the resources go to help make the net uh, work and it's one for 20 or two for 35 and again I know that it will enrich your life. I want to talk about winning the satanic battle. I didn't say winning a spiritual battle. I said winning a satanic battle. Because we're in a battle today. You say, well, I didn't sign up for it. It's not that kind of battle. When you got saved, whether you know it or not, you got in the battle. And there are no pacifists in this battle. When you got saved, you got in this battle. And we got in this battle to win. When we were born again, we were born again to win in this battle. Now, our view has a lot to do with the level of our victory. If we have a low view, we're probably not going to have a lot of high victory. Our view, our view of life, our view of ourselves. And particularly our view as it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ has so much to do with our level of victory. When we leave the auditorium in a little while, unobstructed view, if you're um, about 5.5, you will, uh, unobstructed view is about 1.8 miles. If you're about 6 foot, unobstructed view is about 2.4 miles. Every time I go to Holland, I was there last month, uh, the tallest people in the world live in Holland. It's true. The tallest women and the tallest men are in Holland. So that's a fact. You don't believe me, go look it up. Um, and every time I'm there, I always want to look up and say, how's the view up there? And, but if you're about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, your view is approaching three miles. Um, now, if you're an eagle and you're flying at 10,000 feet, you have a different view. It's about 80 miles. Unobstructed view, about 80 miles. Now when we, uh, when we leave here after a while uh, and we get in our cars, we're looking through a windshield, a piece of glass. And because we're sitting, our view is not as far, though we're looking through the glass. But if you took that piece of glass and you put it on the front Of a 777 airliner. Same piece of glass. Put it on the front of the airplane. At 40,000 feet. Now you don't just have a view. You have. A vantage point. With that view. You see it from different angles. You see it with different. Perspectives. Because now. You don't just have a view. You have a vantage point. Now, our view has a lot to do with our vantage and it has a lot to do with the voyage of victory that God has called us to have. Now, some years ago, Voyager 1 was launched from Cape Canaveral and it was uh, sent out through the Milky Way galaxy and on the edge of the galaxy before it left our galaxy, um, NASA turned the cameras, 54 of them, and they took a panoramic view of the Milky Way galaxy and brought in all nine planets. Back in those days, we still had nine planets. You know, we lost a planet. Pluto doesn't count anymore. You know, it's pretty bad when you start losing planets. Uh, you know, You think traffic's bad? We're losing planets. Anyway, uh, so they took a panoramic view of all of the planets, and then they focused in on what they called a blue-pale dot. And Carl Sagan wrote a book about this blue-pale dot, and that's what he called it, the blue-pale dot. Carl Sagan was uh, an atheist, I never have been able to understand how a man or woman can be studying the stars and still call themselves an atheist. I've just never understood it. It's kind of like the four-year-old daughter that climbs up in the lap of her atheistic dad and looks into his eyes and says, Dad, do you think God knows that we don't believe in him? I've just never understood it. And by the way, There are no atheists in heaven, or in in, in eternity. But I tell you, when you pass over to the other side, you know there is a God. You know there is a God. But he wrote a book, The Blue Pale Dot. And this is a picture of Earth 3.4 billion miles away. Now, the next time, or 3.7 billion, next time you think you're doing something big, Just pull out this picture and get a better perspective. But God is concerned about this blue-pale dot. His focus is on that little speck in this Milky Way galaxy. He knew everyone who would be born on that dot and everyone who would die. And he sent his son to that dot to die for you. And for me, our view has so much to do with our level of victory. Paul says it this way. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are seated in heavenly places. I was walking into an elevator and get on at the DFW airport. And I was going up to you in the American Lounge. I had about two or three hour layover. And I was getting on the elevator. A lady that was working uh, for American was getting on. And she said, how you doing? I said, ma'am, I am incredible. She didn't know how to respond. She's thinking, how you doing? I'm doing How about you? Hey, move on down. I said, I am incredible. And she looked at me. Because I've been thinking as I was walking to the airport, I may be walking through this airport, but I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I may be getting on this elevator, but this elevator is no match to where I'm really sitting. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe it? Because what's happening in the Western world is that a lot of people don't believe their beliefs anymore. They doubt their beliefs, and they believe their doubts. Instead of doubting their doubts, and believing their beliefs. Paul says, we're seated in heavenly places. Now, where was Paul writing this letter? He was writing this letter from the Mamertine prison in Rome. But he saw where he was seated. He realized his real address was not the the corner of where the prison sat. And you can go to it to that day. But it was that he is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, that is where the Lord wants us to live our life. Because there is a battle to win. And this is a battle that only can be won from heavenly places. And I hope that what God has put in my heart, he'll put in every one of our hearts, because we are Christian warriors, first of all, with an adversary. With an adversary. And Paul does not mince words. He says so that you might know the schemes of the devil. Now, sometimes Scripture mentions the same person as Satan. But there is, my dear friend, there is a person, there is a being, there is an entity that is a decided fact. It, it He is the devil. And my dear friend... We are not to give any place at all for the devil. Paul says it in Ephesians 4. He says, make no room for the devil. And then he lists the doors. He lists them right there. Go back and reread it. The second half of chapter 4. We're not to make any room for the devil in our life some people try to spiritualize management things and they try to manage spiritual things two plus two is four whether you pray over it or not Amen. you don't have to spiritualize it if you're late 15 minutes every day well i'm late because of dog i'm late because of that i'm late you know i was late. no 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 15 minutes late is 15 minutes late just own up to it you run 15 minutes late i i just Happen to believe there's going to be this rapture and then there's going to be the late crowd that's going to come. (laughs) Run 15 minutes behind, Lord. But I got here. Rapture light. Rapture fast. And then people try to manage spiritual things. They say, well, you know, I'll keep nine rooms clean, but I'll let one be dirty. That's what it means to give room to the devil. It is a decided fact. It is a destructive force. He says we're not in battle with flesh and blood. No, no. We're not in battle with our brother or our sister. No, sir. This is not a battle that goes on between neighbors. No, sir. This is a battle not between flesh and blood. He says, but because with powers and principalities. And things of high places. One thing we learned about this pandemic is that there is evil in high places. And this battle is not going to be won in just simple measures. This is a spiritual battle. And Paul says that we need to know the methods, the schemes of the devil. You know, the devil doesn't have new methods. He just has new people. That's what he has. He's not playing the short game. He's playing the long game. He knows if he just waits long enough, there's another crowd coming up. And let me tell you how you can know when the devil is lying every time he opens his mouth. That's a, that test always works. He is the author, the father of lies. And Paul makes reference to it in Thessalonians that if it was possible, he would even deceive the elect. He's the master deceiver. He he knows exactly how to say it and how to camouflage it. Every act of murder, and hatred, and idolatry, and wickedness, the devil is behind it. We should treat the devil the way the devil will treat us. Every once in a while, my daughters, my amazing girls are 16 and 22 now. Every once in a while, my girls will say, Dad, I hate the weather. I say, no, we don't. We don't hate the weather, Dad? No, we don't. We hate the devil. We may dislike the weather, but we hate the devil. We should treat the devil the way the devil will treat us. Will the devil have mercy on you? No, you don't have mercy on him. Will the devil prosper your life at the end of it all? No, sir. Then why sow into what he's promoting? My dear friend, this is serious business. The devil is at work. And he is lining up his forces. And I don't live a spooky life. Sometimes people get in trouble because they said something dumb. And then they blame it on the devil. Oh, no. That's not what I'm talking about. He is a destructive force, a decided fact. But he is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. You know, Paul describes it this way in Colossians. He says that Jesus Christ broke the back of the devil at the cross. He says he openly embarrassed him in the portals of glory. He dragged him by his thorny neck and dragged him through the hallways of heaven and said, look at him. He broke his back at the cross. And what did Paul say? He said he took our certificate of debt You had a debt and I had a debt and this world had a debt and he took the certificate of debt and Paul said, and he nailed it to the cross and he forgave us of every blot and every blur, every sin and every stain is covered by the wonderful power and blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, he broke his back and we don't give the enemy room In our life, have you ever noticed in Florida, things grow a little bigger than they do other places? The snakes are bigger here. Have you ever noticed that? The bugs are bigger. Have you noticed that? The alligators are a little bigger. And those things that get big, they want to eat you. One time, my, my, me and my my daughters were playing in the garage in our home. And the car was parked out in the driveway, and a snake began to slither its way in to the driveway. It was probably about this long, and uh, not not too long. We've seen a lot bigger than that, but it was about this long. And a snake coming in there, and I said, "Girls, back up! Dad's got this in control." So I just reached for whatever was near, and I grabbed a a baseball bat, and I began to hit that snake. And that snake kept coming. And I grabbed a tennis racket. And we st- I started banging it. And my girls were standing behind me. And that thing kept coming. My oldest daughter, Olivia, said, Dad, Mom uses a hoe. <laughs> I looked around. I grabbed a hoe. And I cut the head off of that snake. And my girls ran inside yelling, Dad killed his first snake in Florida. And the reason why they're saying that is because mom would kill 23. <laughs> but even after you cut the head off, it still wiggles for a while. Satan is still wiggling for a while. But he knows he has been defeated. And he is going to do anything and everything to deceive, to destroy and to see people lost forever. We have an adversary. Secondly, we're Christian warriors with an armor. Paul tells us how to get dressed. And notice he says, and you put on. He says, and put on, and put on. He doesn't say somebody's going to dress us for battle. He says, we have to learn how to get dressed. He starts with the belt of truth, the believer's integrity. He says, you got to put the belt on first because it's the foundation for the rest of your body. It makes everything firm. You got to put the belt of truth on. It is how we build a rock-solid spiritual house. I remember when I was 12 years old, old. And my dad asked my brother and me, what would you like to have for Christmas? And I said, Dad, I, you know, I'd like to have my first weight set. And, um, and so Christmas came, and I had a, a weight set of 120 pounds, some simple barbells and things, and, and I got a weight belt to go with it. And my dad said, said, Jimmy, uh, that should keep you busy for a while. I thought to myself, I'm going to set a goal. We'll see how well I can do if I just stay at it. By the time I was 21, I was walking into the gym, bench pressed 345 pounds. Still weighed 180 pounds. And I weigh 179 now. But I still have that same weight belt that I got when I was 12. Because I understood that if you're going to do some heavy lifting, you got to make sure this, the foundation, is taken care of. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no shortcuts in this. We can't be one way here and a different way at home and a different way at work and a different way at school. We have to build a rock-solid spiritual house, and it comes with the belt of truth. There's no shortcut. Because the devil is the author of lies. And we must, my friend, have the belt of truth. Starts with integrity. Then it comes with purity. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Doesn't mean that we're not going to fail or flounder from time to time. We all do. But we can come to the Lord and confess that. And he is faithful and just to forgive us. Aren't you glad for that? And, But we must strive to live a pure life, a wholesome life. When we walk into the room, the room gets brighter. When we leave, the room gets darker. People sense the presence of God upon our life when they are around us. The breastplate of righteousness. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. I learned that a long time ago. I'm never going to be holy enough by myself. I'm never going to be righteous enough by myself. I'm never going to be strong enough by myself. But if I come to Christ and put on the breastplate of righteousness, I will be ready for the battle. And then he says, we've got to put on the the shoes of peace, tranquility. He was talking about The Roman Legion army, they would wear these cleats like football cleats today. And they give them balance in the battlefield. And he says, we're to put on the the shoes of peace. Are you a peacemaker? Do you try to bring peace where you go? You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's power in being a peacemaker. Paul even says in Philippians 4, verses 1 through 4, there's two ladies there not getting along, and he calls on a peacemaker to bring these two ladies back in fellowship. Peace is a wonderful thing. When somebody sees us coming their way, do they start praying, Jesus comes? Lord, he's coming. Lord, would you please come? You ever seen somebody coming? He started, oh my goodness, a hey, Lord, would you come? Please, please. And then he, he didn't come and he's there a while and you thought, I am in the tribulation? I mean, that's a... And when he left, you felt worn out. When people are around us, they ought to sense the peace of God in our life. It gives balance to our life. Then he says, pick up the shield of faith, the believer's certainty. Now this shield was made of solid wood basically two feet by four feet it was covered by leather and before they would go out to battle they would soak it in water notice what paul says so that you might be able to extinguish extinguish those fiery arrows so they would go out into battle and the enemy would be shooting those arrows and they would knock those arrows down and extinguish them now in military battle let's say ukraine somebody may run out of weapons or bullets or whatever but our adversary never runs out of fiery arrows he's going to continue to shoot them our way and he'll bring fiery arrows of worry and dread and fear and, 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 and such overwhelming uh, presence. He'll, he'll do anything and everything. And have you ever noticed he'll start shooting those arrows when you're getting ready to go to bed? You're trying to go to sleep, and those arrows are just coming your way. My friend, you got to pick up the shield of faith The believer's certainty, you need to know that you know. It's not a time to think what you think, but to know what you know. You need to know who you are. You need to know who Christ is in your life. And you need to pick up the shield of faith and knock down those arrows in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's true. And then he says, put on the helmet of salvation, the believer's sanity. The battle is ultimately won, ladies and gentlemen, between our ears. Right here. How we think is how we become. Leading neurologists finally realizing, we've known this for a long time, but sometimes it takes science a while to catch up. They're finally acknowledging it's the mind that controls the brain, that controls the body. For a long time they said it was the brain. They did it. No, it's the mind that controls the brain, that controls the body. And if you've been thinking a particular way for a long time, you have dug ridges in how you think. And the, listen, the only way you're going to change that is to replace the old with the new. You have to replace, then you have to rewire, then you reframe, and you rejoice. There is no other way around it. I have on my phone right here, in my notes section, a wonderful group of scriptures that I typed in there. And I add some new ones along the way. And every day... At some point, I just start reading them out loud. Sometimes I'm at home and I'll say to my lovely wife, "Hem will step outside in the driveway for a little while. She knows I'm going to get out there and I'm just reading through the scriptures that are here. I'm just reminding myself of who I am in Jesus Christ. No matter what the enemy is saying or doing or the battle that might be in front of us, Ladies and gentlemen, we have to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. We have to learn to really believe in our heart and in our mind that we are seated in Christ Jesus and we have the victory found in him. Amen. Amen. That's true for every one of us. And we have an armor that we've got to put on. And let me tell you the best time to put your armor on first thing in the morning. You say, well, I don't have a quiet time. Shame on you. You say, well, I'm busy. Even Jesus had time, did he not? You say, well, I have my quiet time on my way to work. No, that's rush hour. You don't understand. The best time to get dressed is in the morning. You put put on the belt of truth. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You put on the right shoes of peace. You pick, you pick up that shield of faith before you go, and you get your mind right so that you'll be ready for whatever comes your way. We're Christian warriors with an armor, but third, we're Christian warriors with an attack. Paul tells us the position of our stance. He says, We are seated in heavenly places. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the high ground. Any general will tell you the army that has the high ground has the advantage. We have the high ground. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. We have the high ground. And when the devil wants to tell you you don't have it, just remind him of what the Word of God says. We have the position of our stance. We have the high ground. I was saying to my youngest daughter last night, we were just chatting, little Priscilla. I said, Priscilla, stay on high ground in your life. Don't get down here where the others want to live their life. Don't spend all your time with the cynics and all the time with the critics and all the time with the extra negative people. Live your life on high ground. You'll see the sun come up more than anybody else. You'll see it set later than anybody else. The thoughts will be brighter. Christ will be more real. And you will live the victorious Christian life. But you have to stay on high ground. The position of our stance Then he says, the power of our sword. Not only are we in heavenly places, but he says, we have a sword. He says, the power of our sword, which is the word of God. He says, the spirit that's upon God's word is how we're going to win this battle. Do you sharpen your sword? Do you even know your sword? Do you spend time reading your sword? Do you spend time meditating and pondering over it? Do you hum its verses? Do you know the Word of God? Do you know it? Do you practice going through the Bible every year? Or do you just read your favorite passages? Let me ask it to you a different way. If you took out all the passages you don't read, how big would your Bible be then? What is worse, an unreached people group that has never gotten God's Word, or a people group that's had it and don't read it? Do you know His Word? You say, James, I just don't get a blessing from Leviticus, frankly. (laughs) Then just rip it out. You don't read it anyway. You say, well, James, you shouldn't just talk like, listen, what is worse? A person who has multiple translations of God's Word in their home and does not read it, or the person who's yet to get his or her copy. My friend, God knows more than we know. He gave us the entirety of the Word of God. He gave us 66 books, 39 in the old. And he expects us to read all the old. And he gave us 27 in the new. He expects us to read all the new. He knows that all of it is needed for us to become a strong believer in Christ Jesus. The power of the sword. Even Jesus Christ confronted the devil, Satan, in the wilderness. On three different occasions. And you know that he defeated him through the word of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Christ could have called on the legions of angels of heaven. He could have called on the authority of his father, but he didn't. He used the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and he had victory. And that is how we fight the good fight of faith. And then he says the provision of the Spirit. And he says, and pray at all times in the Spirit. He doesn't pray, saying, pray in sometimes in the Spirit. He says pray at all times in the Spirit. How do we put on the armor? By praying. How do we st- keep the armor on? By praying. By praying in the Spirit. By allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in our life. Because Paul says this is not a battle between flesh and blood. Oh no, this is far more significant than that we're Christian warriors with an adversary with an armor with an attack before and last with allies we have allies listen to how Paul says it he says and pray for all the Saints he doesn't say pray for some of the Saints He doesn't say pray for the ones you like. He says pray for all the saints. For all the saints. Did you know there's a lot of saints in this world? There is. There's over 2 billion Christians in this world today. The Bible says they are saints. Did you know you are a saint? Usually we say, hey brother, hey sister, that's fine, it's wonderful, I do that. Sometimes I may call someone by his or first name if I'm pretty close to them. But did you know it would not be inappropriate for me to say, St. Martha, St. John, St. Lucy, St. Daryl? Did you know you are a saint? Tomorrow morning when you're getting dressed, and you're trying to figure out who that person is in the mirror, say, St. James good morning. Because you know what? That's how Christ views your life. You're a saint. Doesn't mean you're a perfect saint, but in God's eyes we are a saint. And we ought to respect saints. We ought to love saints. And we ought to honor our fellow saints. And you know what else? We ought to pray for them too. Not just the ones we know well, but all of them. Paul says, and pray for all the saints. But then he gets a little closer and he says, but pray for me. He says, pray for me. Paul says, I'm in this dungeon. How does he say it? I've got chains on. He said, I'm the Lord's ambassador in chains. He says, pray for me. He's writing this letter from the Mamertine prison in Rome. I've been privileged to stand in that prison on three occasions. And every time I'm in Rome, I purposely go there to remind myself where Paul wrote several of his letters. And Paul's in this Mamertine prison, and he says, pray for me. What does he ask the church to pray for? For boldness. He says, pray that I won't be timid. Pray that I won't be anxious. Pray that I won't be fearful. Pray that I have boldness. That I have boldness that ought to speak because I'm in this prison. And pray for me. Can I submit to you this morning? We need a little boldness today also. You know, there's a lot of stuff coming out of closets. It's time for Christians to come out of closets also. And it's time for us to declare Jesus Christ not as a way, but the way. I'm not interested in arguing about what is truth. You say, why is that? Because it's not about what is truth. It's about who is truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth truth is not a principle truth is not a promise only truth is a person and his name is Jesus Christ when somebody wants to argue with you about what is truth just reframe it I don't want to argue about what is let's talk about who is Jesus Christ is the truth it is time for us to declare him in the marketplace We need God-given boldness. We need boldness like Stephen had in Acts 8, where Stephen was willing to stand alone. And how was he able to stand alone? The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he was full of the Spirit with wisdom, full of the Spirit with faith, full of the Spirit with power. He needed wisdom to speak. He needed faith to suffer. And he needed it with the power of God to stand. And ladies and gentlemen, if there's ever been a time when God's people need wisdom, faith, and power, it's now. It's time to get into the marketplace and declare Jesus Christ not as an alternative, but as the Son of God who came to this little pale dot and died for the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, that's the truth. Boldness. I don't mean obnoxious behavior with bad breath to go with it. I mean God-given, Christ-like behavior boldness Amen. Thank you, Lord. and what does Paul say pray for me that I will have boldness you know if I was in that Mamertine prison and I was going to write a letter to Pastor Daryl Strickland my letter would probably be a little different than that I don't know about you but this is about the kind of letter I probably would have written Pastor Daryl. Remember me in prayer because there's no bed here. And I sleep on the stones every night. Please pray for me. Pastor Darrell, please pray for me because the food here is terrible. Pastor Darrell, I fast a lot more because the food is bad here. That's probably me. Pastor Darrell, have the church in Oxford to pray for me because the stench here is unbelievable. Because the sewer goes right by this prison. Pastor Darrell, please put it on the screens. Have the people to pray because I've got a stench that's beyond description. Pastor Darrell, pray for me. Because the people here, these guys here, are the most ungodly bunch of men I have ever been around. Their, their, their lifestyle is ungodly. Their mouth is vulgar. Pray for me that I'd get out of this prison. Because I'm tired of writing letters from prison cells. But Paul doesn't pray that, that way. He doesn't write a letter that way. He said, Pray for me because I need boldness. And can I just be honest with you? I'm just, listen, I am just tired of American Christians thinking they have it hard. Amen. Amen. I'm just tired of American Christians thinking they have it rough. I have a friend of mine in Naples, Florida. I was sharing with him what God was doing in Cambodia. And how God was doing amazing work, and the suffering was hard and the persecution was bad, but God's doing amazing work. And his response to me was, Well, that's Cambodia, but James, we've got it hard here. Naples, Florida? Hard. Ladies and gentlemen, On our worst day, it's not the prison cell. On our worst day, it's not persecution. On our worst day, it's not very difficult. Sometimes we have to put up a little bit of rain in Florida. And we think, oh my goodness, it's a rough Sunday morning. I'm going to have to use my windshield wipers to go to church. Oh my goodness, I don't know. God, should I even go? Should I even go? Because it's so dangerous out there. It's amazing if it's raining on Monday, they have enough courage to go to work. But they don't have the courage to come on Sunday. So they stay at bedside assembly. What does Paul tell us? We have a battle, and this battle is worth getting up for. This battle is worth getting dressed for. This battle requires us to call in our allies. You know, we don't get much snow in Florida, but we do get rain sometimes, don't we? And sometimes when it rains, the animals have to decide whether to line up or not. Have you noticed that? But when one drop of rain falls, let's say one drop of rain falls, and in the villages area, Oxford area, one rain drop falls. No one says, did you see the drop fall today? Did you notice the magenta? Did you see the picture of that raindrop on Instagram? Wasn't that majestic? That was absolutely incredible. One drop of rain. Nobody... He's impressed with a drop. But have you noticed what happens if that one drop calls in all of its allies? You go to bed at night, but that one drop has influence. That one drop is calling in his allies. And trillions of drops get together. And when they get together, you're getting up, getting dressed, and the drops had a meeting, and they have an announcement. The one drop didn't make the announcement, but all his friends together did. And they made an announcement. School's out today. Nobody's going to school. Who said that? The drops said that. Drops got together last night, and they announced no school today. By the way, they got another announcement. Nobody's going to work today either because... The drops got together. In fact, they're still together. Look outside. No planes take off today because the drops said so. You and I by ourselves, is just a drop. We can't do much. But when God's people get together, we can stop traffic. When God's people get together, we can bring down evil forces. When God's people get together and don't care who gets the credit, we can break the back of the devil in strong places and see Jesus Christ glorified for the glory all belongs to Him. To Him. And ladies and gentlemen, we don't need less of the assembling of ourselves. We need more. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering? As their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed in this service. I know I've preached hard today. As they play softly a simple chorus of worship. Please don't misunderstand the statement I'm about to say. If you've been in some of the places where I have stood with brothers and sisters who make a dollar a day on a good day, stood in places in the Himalayas where they make $50 a month on a good month if you'd stood in places where I've stood where there's such infection and disease and sickness and just pray God keep me protected And but yet to see the hunger and the thirst and the drive to want to walk with the Lord and to talk with the Lord and to celebrate His goodness oh we need boldness and don't let the devil tell you that you can't have it it is yours in christ jesus and god has called us to win this satanic battle he's called us to win it he's called you and he's called me to live our life in heavenly Places. That's where, where the Lord wants us to live our life. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. And if you can say with integrity, Lord, I want to live, I want to live the rest of my days, no matter how many they are, the rest of my days, I want to live my life in heavenly places. I, I want to live my life from that vantage point. I want to get up breathing the air. Of that level in my life I want to live my life at that level because that's where the Lord wants us to live when I count to three if that's you and you desire that in your life when I count to three I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand and my hand is gonna be the first one that's gonna go up and we're gonna ask God to put us on a new framework and a new level of understanding a a level that God says is ours until Jesus Christ comes. When I count to three, if that's you, i you lift your hands and just keep it up. One, two, three. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries, so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.